This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trockenbroke. With me, as always, is Brian Travis, my co-host. And today in studio, we got a special, special guest for you, uh, Russ Lane, all the way from Prattville, Alabama, coming to spend some time with us and uh, catch up a little bit. Man, it's good to be here. Excited about this. Was that intro, did that pump you up enough there? Heck yeah, man. It's not as good as your walk. What was your walkout song back in baseball, real quick? Uh, let's see. Um, at one time, it was a long-haired country boy by uh, uh, man Charlie David Daniels. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and uh, back in black. When I when I turned into a closer, my last couple of years of minor league ball it went to back in black ACDC. That's pretty slick. Yeah. <laughs> and you did that a couple times on the Bassmaster stage too, didn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's been that was. I guess that was my stage song for probably uh, about most of the most of the thirteen or fourteen years I was over there. You were one of the originals back in '06, making the yeah the jump for that first year. So. Yeah, my rookie season was uh, was '05, and uh, and you know they started the Elite Series in '06. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, I hadn't been in it long enough to to really get you know a good foothold with everything. So it was kind of you, you know. Put up the fifty grand. Entry fees have just, <laughs> you know, went up times five. Mm-hmm. Put up or shut up. So, That's right. So we put up, and somehow or another, I'm still, still in the game. Fifteen years later. Well, what we were alluding to is uh, for folks who don't know, you played minor league baseball. Uh, how many years did you, did you do that? Um, I played three years. I played in the independent frontier league and uh, played um, for for a club up in Joliet and. Uh, also played college ball at a Huntington in Montgomery, which at the time was a small NAIA. And you were school. a pitcher. I was a pitcher. Yep. Right-handed. Right-handed. Ninety-three, ninety-four. How fast were you slinging it? I threw on a good on a good day when you know my arm felt. You should call it saucy. When, I, <laughs> when my arm felt saucy. Feeling saucy. Yes, I th- I always felt good on in night games, but I would sit. I would sit anywhere from eighty nine to ninety two, and I could the the fastest that I know for sure that I was ever clocked was ninety four. But I would hit ninety three, you know, quite a few times in a game. That's pretty. But there was, but one of my issues was was inconsistency. It's crazy. It's almost like a. It's almost like my fishing career. I've had <laughs> all these. I have all these crazy ups and downs. Like really. Have really really good seasons, and then had you know sprinkle in a few bad ones where nothing goes right. And baseball was kind of the same way. So there would be days where I couldn't I couldn't get the ball over eighty six for nothing, and and you know my next start I'd probably never threw a pitch at eighty six or hmm. less. So what do you think? It's all like a mental deal, or is it just uh... well with pitching? Um, pitching is a real. Um, it's a real mechanical thing, and it's it's got a lot to do with muscle memory and being being able to repeat those motions, you know, time and time again, and being able to find, you know, if your, you know, if your your hips and your rotation to your shoulders and and arm slot when all that stuff has to work in sync, and and if one of those links in that chain gets out of sync, it just completely, it it just it can be a disaster, but. 
the guys that are so good that wind up, you know, making it to, you know, the big leagues, they don't they don't struggle with that. They're able to use call on that muscle memory and repeat those those actions, you know, time and time again. That's interesting. What about uh, offensively? What was your batting average? I was man when we when I was young, like uh, I like I still I think I still have a home run record at uh, um, AUM in Montgomery is where is where I played when I was ten years old. I still think I have the home run record. At least I had heard several <laughs> years back that I did. But back then I could crush a baseball. But as I got older. Um, when I got to about about high school, something man, I just could not, I couldn't, I couldn't hit like some of the other guys. So I, you know, about that time, my arms started to get really, really strong, and uh, so I just focused on pitching. And yeah, I, and I liked pitching more than more than hitting. But now I can put on a show in batting practice. BP, huh? but if uh, if a dude's up there and he and he twists a slider off. <laughs> away from me she'll screw me in the ground every you time. still saying it was a year or two ago you posted up a video you throwing some football around you're still chucking that bad boy pretty hard yeah i like to get out in the yard or some kids in the neighborhood that uh i get out and throw football and baseball with and uh we've had, we had two twins that uh have lived next door um for the last eight years so i've got to watch them you know grow up and become athletes and i work with them a lot on uh, pitching and hitting and it's been cool to Took cool to help them do that. Plus, get you know, get me out there and let me throw with them, and you yeah. know, so I still try to do some of that stuff. You brush them off the plate just a little bit. Oh yeah, I always tuck that elbow in. Give, kid. Them, give them a little chin music. <laughs> let them, just let them know you're there. Yeah, that's your plate, not yeah, theirs. That's so right. How many as a pitcher? How many pitches can you shake off to the catcher before he starts getting a little pissed? Oh, it depends on how well I've been pitching. If uh, if 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 I'm not hitting my spots and Maybe I walked a couple and I go to shaking them off. Um, I've had some catchers that were pretty cocky, and uh, they'd be like, "Okay, you know, go ahead and throw it." And come to find out later, they done told the hitter what I was throwing. And, oh, and you know, oh, and you know man. what happens when that happens. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I learned. Um, I I had some. I was fortunate enough that I got to play with some really good. Um, catchers uh there was a guy named ben brack that i played with in college and man he was gosh that guy was amazing he could hit but he was he was a baseball genius he really knew how to call a game and he went he wound up playing some minor league ball too and uh but anyway i learned from him to to trust the catcher and mm-hmm. and you know if you had it was, it was a good situation when you trusted the catcher and the catcher you know was really really in tune with what the batter was doing what the batter's weaknesses were yeah did you ever do anything with the cape cod league at all or no i didn't i would have liked to um i was i was a uh extremely late bloomer um like body wise when it was like when i graduated from high school i I grew another three inches even after graduating from high school so i kind of you know, I wasn't a guy that got recruited, you know, in high school. Um, you know, it just wasn't, you know, I just wasn't, you know, at that point yet. But after I got into uh, junior college and, and played, it was just, man, th- grew three inches and my fastball went up six, seven miles an hour overnight. Wow. Does that add to 
to stock? I mean, being six foot versus what are you, six three, six four? Six three, yeah. Does that add to I mean scouts looking at you harder? Yeah. You're just over a certain height for a pitcher. Yeah. I mean you I mean you run across a lot of guys that, you know, are five ten, five eleven that can throw really hard, but the but but the reason a scout is really wants a guy with a good body, they want wide shoulders, um, they want tall, they want they want a strong built, naturally strong looking body with solid legs, a solid core. Um, and that kind of build is it sustains a long a long schedule of 160 games or whatever how many it is they play now throughout an entire year because you know they don't draft a guy because he might be a good minor league player they draft a guy for his potential of playing every day in the show so hmm. that's why they look for that strong naturally strong built body with good genetics and they they you know they look at moms and dads too to see how they're built because you know you know you're gonna you know more than likely you you know you're gonna be built like they are and my mom is a uh, five foot one and uh weighs about 96 pounds so <laughs> it sounds like they're judging livestock more than they are they are actual town ta- i mean they really are that's yeah. crazy mm-hmm. but kenny powers did it so he's 510 225 well, yeah. on a good day and so. you think about the just the, the numbers the sheer numbers of people that play baseball then get all the way to that top tier they can be pretty doggone selective if they want to <laughs> yeah they can and There's, they've got weird algorithms like mm-hmm. if a guy's got a pretty girlfriend they absolutely what it shows about his confidence level and different things like that. I mean, they it's nuts. Do. They do. They know what they're looking at. They've yep. seen it. It's, Moneyball. Oh gosh. My oh favorite, yeah, Moneyball. My favorite Moneyball. movie. I was my flew to the uh, show in St. Louis the other day. I had I was going to download a couple movies while I was flying, and uh, Moneyball is one of them. Yeah, one that's of my a great favorite movie. movies. No, that's an awesome movie. Like if if I wasn't doing, you know, fishing for a living. And my dream job would be to be a, a pro scout. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely love that. And what'd you do uh, in between minors and fishing? Um, so, I mean, how'd you get from there? I mean, you, you said, I'm okay, I'm done. Would you have an injury or did you just no, get burnt I, out? I knew it was time to quit. It was, um, I knew that I wasn't going to make it. And I had given, I mean, I had, I have no regrets. I had given it everything I could possibly give it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just knew it just wasn't it just wasn't going to work. Um, and you know we're traveling around making, you know I got I got like six hundred dollars a month, and uh, one of the team investors, which some of those minor league clubs have team investors, gave me four hundred dollars under the table. I'm not going to say which team it was. <laughs> so I made a thousand dollars a month traveling around, living out of a suitcase, in a a stinking old bus, and it just you know. It kind of ran its course, so, mm-hmm. so like I'm out. So but anyway. you got there though. I mean, I, I knew after eight eight year old uh, kid pitch, I wasn't going to make it. So I, <laughs> I hung up the cleats and gloved in. I mean, I'm a standout softball player every now and then, but you know, those, <laughs> those moments are kind of brief glimpses of what could be. But you did it all. I mean, that's a you got a I guess a little bit of a, a connection, Jerry McKinnis, uh, who we lost last year. Um, yeah, I mean, he was a minor league player, and yeah, he was a big he was a big. Uh, Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jerry loved baseball. We had we had some really good chats about baseball and and um, minor league travels and experiences, which you know his <laughs> was a whole generation or two generations earlier than mine. But it was 
it was cool to sit down and have those couple chats with him about it. So how did we get uh, – we got off the bus, and what what'd you go back to Prattville? So, yeah, I went back to Prattville. So the deal was um, my best friend, um, since I was – we grew up on the same street together, since I was literally – you know, could start to walk. Me and him were friends. Like his, his mom w- was my babysitter. That's how, that's how long we've known each other. His name's Chris Rutland. Um, anybody that fishes in the Southeast, lots of mm-hmm. tournaments knows who Chris is. He's, he is, he is, uh, he is a legend in Alabama <laughs> as far as tournaments go, but we were best friends growing up. Um, and the whole deal was, is I was going to carry baseball as far as, as I could but the second that that I got done, we were going to start fishing team tournaments, and we were going to, you know, start our own businesses, and we were going to base those businesses around fishing weekend tournaments. So, one of my f- other friends had been in the car business, and uh, he had told me something about these guys that were living this great life, wholesaling <laughs> cars. I'm like, really? Like, how many days a week they work? He said, man, I think some of them work three days a week. I'm like, I'm in on that. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, I started doing that when I got home, and I would work about, seriously, three days a week, and then I would fish the rest of the time. And Chris, he started like a – and uh, he was an independent um, insurance agent and sold like group health policies and stuff, which he still does that. But he didn't work that much then either. So all we did was fish. And, and you know, I never planned on, on it turning into this, but we did so good, and I kept going up so many different levels. And, you know, it was just kind of – it just kind of happened. I just kind of woke up one day, and I was in, a, in the Bassmasters Classic and said, whoa, this is <laughs> – you know, this is possible. And, two, I saw Jamie Horton. He made, he made the Classic there on Lay Lake which was really an eye-opener. And, uh, you know, Jamie's one of my really good buddies. And I said, man, if Jamie can do it, I, you know, I want to give that a try. So, mm-hmm. and so anyway, I made that first classic through the Federation and decided to fish the Opens that, that fall. Was that 04, 05? 04. 04. Mm-hmm. So I fished the Opens that fall. And uh, it come down to where I think then they took – I can't remember. It might have been like eight, the top eight guys. But whatever it was, I was eighth, and uh, Chris Lane was ninth. So I bumped Chris out. Mm. But Chris qualified the next year. It's funny that I remember that as good as, you know, as everybody knows how great Chris has done. It was funny how I bumped yeah. him out the year before. Now, did you have a passion for tournament fishing, like while you were still playing baseball or in high school, I, or did you just I was enjoy ate it? up with it. Really? Yes, ate up with it. Yep. That's. I mean, when I wasn't when I wasn't, um, you know, working out or in the clubhouse or or you know throwing a ball or playing a game, I was thinking about fishing. And you're yep. right there in the middle of the spawn and pre-spawn time playing baseball, so it must have been tough. Yeah, it was, but I knew, I knew that, um, you know, you got the rest of your life to fish, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I try to stay in, you know, as good a shape as possible, but you, you don't have to, you don't have to be a physical <laughs> specimen to, Kenny to, Powers to can, fish. Can yeah. retire and still fish. Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, I figured let's concentrate on baseball and, and carry it out as far as we can. And then we'll, then we'll go to fishing. Now, did your parents support that? Um, Somewhat, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 
to, to be honest with you, though, I didn't. I, I'm not. I wasn't the person that needed any kind of support. I was. If, if you know, if I had something in mind that I wanted to do or was gonna do, I, you know, I was gonna figure out a way to do it. And mm-hmm. you know, that's just like, you know, starting the business around around time off for fishing. I mean, that was just a that was a conscious choice that me and Chris both made. And I get, I guess, you know, I guess it was just not you know just trying to avoid any excuses just set yourself up in a mm-hmm. position to where you can do what you want to do so what kind of cars did you wholesale i did really good with trucks especially ford trucks hmm. lots of lots and lots of ford trucks. now they all work trucks or would mm-hmm. you do um no a lot of like nice trucks you know back then it was the uh xlts um yep. a lot of them i would buy and Eddie Bauer edition. Yes, yes, <laughs> the white with the cream yep. bottom, uh, the yes. two tone look. Yep. Yes, those brought good money. Now, did you, how many auctions did you go to auction once a week? Or yeah, I would go. Uh, I would go to Nashville. Um, gosh, when was Nashville? I think Nashville was on Thursdays. I would go. There was a bunch of auctions um, over in Atlanta. I went to some of them um, in uh, Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I'd go there, but then. I, after I was in it a couple of years, I started to get a, a a really good network of dealers, you know, that I got to be tight with, and I would, you know, I'd help them, you know, turn their, you know, like their old age units. Their typical thing was like a ninety day turnaround, and and uh, would try to help them move cars around and stuff. So it was it was a fun business. It uh, once it got to a point though where it was it took up. <laughs> too much of my fishing time <laughs> i was like yeah i don't know if it's that much fun no more but that's awesome yeah so three days a week working fishing for yes getting on that learning curve of you and chris uh what, what yes. would you guys fish a lot down there just uh we fished every single tournament that we could possibly get into if there was and if at the time there was quite a few trails and all those trails had these championships with big money in them mm-hmm. and and the deal was all you had to do was fish one or pay or well all you had to do in the rules was fish one mm-hmm. to qualify for the championship well i don't know that me and chris thought a little different than most people did back then so we was like well, we'll just pay the entry fee to that one or if, if or if it was you had to fish three we'll just Mm-hmm. pay the entry fees to all these and then so we can go fish that championship and we'll go fish everywhere we think we can win every saturday and sunday mm-hmm. and there was also tournaments there was a there was a good uh let's see there was a good solo trail um one on wednesdays that they had a bunch and so there was nothing for me to fish three tournaments in a week now, did you do any night tournaments or we fished is he fished a few while I was playing ball, but I remember fishing just two on Lake Jordan. And it, I mean, I don't even, we won both of them, but I don't even remember it being fun. It was like, I was nervous about fun. it. Yeah. I, I just I don't it, like night it fishing. It is fun. I'm not a night fishing guy. It's fun. I could see where it would be fun, like, especially if you worked all week and you get off on Friday night and you, take off and meet your buddy at the ramp but to me it just seemed it just seemed dangerous to me and a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. of a lot of stuff doesn't doesn't bug me 
I mean, I deer hunt, and it ain't nothing to climb 30 feet up in a tree, and people fall out all the time. I don't think nothing about it. But something about being on the water at night on Friday night with a bunch of guys that typically mm-hmm. might have a beer, too. Yep. So anyway. Until 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's I mean, right. And two, if we were fishing on Friday night, odds, odds are we had a tournament on Saturday morning somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, you know, a bigger payout. So Now, you weren't married at the time? No. So you had plenty of time to fish. Free reign. Yeah. Yes. Does that slow down at all now that you have been married? <laughs> you know, I got a good one. Yeah. She gets it. She understands. She knows. She knows what I did, even though she thought when we met I was a race car driver. I don't know where that <laughs> came about. But um, a couple hours later, she realized I was a fisherman. <laughs> She was a little bummed about that, but I had. I had <laughs> She's I had, not going to meet Jeff Gordon now. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, Earnhardt Jr. was the one. She, That's my mom's boyfriend. Yeah. If my dad and her ever separated, I think she'd go after him. Yeah, she my, loves her some Dale Jr. I know mine would. I know Jill would. <laughs> but no, she gets it. She's she's good with it. I mean, you know, we've had a long off season this year, and uh, she's asked me several times, "Don't you don't you have somewhere to go?" Like. <laughs> don't, you, don't you need to go check a lake out or go to, don't you have a big deer you need to go hunt so time apart is good if you yeah. get the right one so speaking of that off season you have been busy very busy. Uh, contrary to what jill thinks i mean you've been busy i've seen commercials and left and right i mean <laughs> did you picture this uh 15 years ago you turning on discovery and seeing you no no i didn't i never saw myself as a person that would be on national tv commercials that is kind of wild it is yeah have you enjoyed it i have enjoyed it yeah, yeah i like you know I've, all those commercials i've done it's been really cool like like it's funny i was uh growing up i was a guy that didn't and i'm still quiet people still think i'm quiet but i wasn't the guy that that talked a lot i'm, I'm i don't get up in front of people and talk it's just it's just something i'm not I don't know. I've never been comfortable with, but, mm-hmm. but a camera in my face doesn't it doesn't bother me at all. I'm that's I'm good with that. Now, what was the level of these commercials? Did they have someone like running through scripts with you and yeah, holding lights and making sure you use the right enunciation and all that? Yeah, all that. I mean, any of I guess anything you've seen on TV, like or you know, just a normal a normal set. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you have any weird asks? Oh yeah. Yeah, like I would have all like uh-huh. blue M and M's or something, just to <laughs> let them know I mean business. I mean, he would too. <laughs> he would blue M and M's, Chick Fil A sauce, and two Chick Fil A. And sandwiches. then he wouldn't touch any of no it pickles. except the Chick Fil A. He'd tear down the Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A Diet Coke on ice. You would be a diva. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever? Do they ever show you a script and you read it and you're like, this is going to be a terrible setup here? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I there was one. There was one we did for Spro. Um. And. uh I didn't like it. I didn't think. I didn't think it was gonna. Um, I didn't think that the that the guys that fish, the hardcore fishermen that that enjoy and love to throw spro baits, I didn't think they would relate to to what it was we did. And and they said, well, okay, well, why don't you write it? Mm-hmm. So so I did, and and we wound up going with it. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it was that the, the ad they're running? When were they running that? Um, it was the one. It was the commercial where the theme was uh, "Fishing is Forever." Mm. It's funny we've already touched on this. So, so in the um, in the commercial, I say we're all told at one point 
you know, you can, you can't play the game anymore. Mm -hmm. And, but fishing is forever. Well, that comes from Moneyball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's where, that's, that's how I wrote that line was from that movie into that commercial. We went with it. Nobody's ever picked up on that that I know of. Yeah. At least you hadn't had to do like a Japanese energy drink. You remember Mr. Baseball, that movie? Yes. <laughs> That's one of my favorite yes. commercials ever. Yes. Spoof one in there. Well, I'm glad you brought up Spro because I did want to hit on. So you've got some baits out for them, the, the Papa series. Yes. Have you had a lot of hands on time with those and, and getting to. Mm. How's that been? Is that fun? That it always looks fun. like it'd be a heck of a, I mean, cool thing to undertake. It is fun. Um, I've learned a tremendous amount. Of, you know about that just just jumping in with both feet so i have and all and you know john cruz and and uh dean rojas mike mcclellan um i think michael neal's working on a bait now also um we all have complete free reign from start to finish of designing those baits and and you know you've got a you you've got to accept that challenge because it's not it's not easy because you have to you have to be able to put that idea on paper and put it in a 3d image and then you have to get that first prototype and then you gotta tweak it and get it right and it's a long long it's a hard process until you've done it a few times and Mm -hmm. then then you start to see where you get better and better at it so what was the first one you did for them the fat papa 70 and how do you, so you had the idea for it and you yep. wanted to make this bait and they yep. you did a model and then they sent you something. Would you go to the pool first to see how they run or do you go straight to the lake with them? Well, the first thing I did was, is I drew it. I drew, I drew a top, um, a top view and a side view. And I put millimeter, they wanted millimeter measurements on everything. And I had taken a bait with a body that was kind of in the ballpark a similar shape that i wanted mm-hmm. but there was some other things that i wanted to do to it but i took the bill and i carved that bill the way i wanted it so i could tell by throwing that bait that that if i make the first prototype to this mm-hmm. that i carved that then we can tweak it from there and make it exactly what what i want so that's how we came up with the the 70 which is a which is a deep diving crankbait but it only runs it runs about 15 foot on 10 pound line which is what i wanted mm-hmm. i hear some people say oh that bait doesn't run run deep enough well that's the that's the depth that i wanted i wanted it to run 12 to 14 because over all the years i've been fishing the time and time again the majority of the biggest schools of fish that i've found have been in that 10 to 14 foot range not 25 30 no not for me and right that, and it may be just because that's what i grew up grew in, growing up on the coosa and the alabama river most of the fish at the, especially at that time didn't get much deeper than that so mm-hmm. so anyway that was the bait i wanted and man i still i caught some biggins on it yesterday alabama river big so, spots so so on that i mean obviously you designed it you throw a crankbait quite a bit do you, is one of the other more important action or color selection? They, I would say they both go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, golly, if I only had to choose one, I would say action. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I think the colors that Spro's done, some of the gill platelets and some of that hollow mm-hmm. or hydrographics or holographics. I don't, I don't think I'm saying it right, but Spro's really got a cool lineup of, they do. of some colors. Yeah, they that. really do. Um, and I think everybody, I think it's cool that it's fishermen putting this out. Yep. And it's stuff that y'all use and got a lot of hands on. It's not like someone just put your name on this package. That's right. That's right. You know, the rock crawler, the McStick, the Papa, the Little yep. John series. I mean, I know. Where would like frog fishing be if Dean had never? You know, got with Spro and made the, you know, and made the bronze eye frog. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no telling how many bass have been caught on that thing. No, that's a popular yeah. one. And, and he made Spro it tournament down here is always. He made it exactly like he wanted it. So, that's cool. That's cool mm-hmm. that you get a hands-on approach with that. Yeah, it is. Now, have you done anything as far as rod lineups? Um, where I, you've had that kind of a influence on them? Yeah, I have. Um, I have designed. I've designed several rods throughout the years. Um, I haven't announced this this yet, but I might as well do it now. I'm I'm going to um be using Phoenix rods, um this year and looking forward to it. They uh they are a company that that I almost wanted to work with quite a few years ago, and uh, just some you know just business wise, just other things got in the way, but we finally got together and and. Uh, and gonna do it this year they they've sent me a bunch of their newer line of rods and and i've been using them for the last two months and man they're they're awesome mm-hmm. they're so awesome they've got a they've got a cranking rod um now like a lot of people know that i'm i'm a big fiberglass guy and they've got a fiberglass line that uh it's awesome i, do, I love i love the way uh, when a fish hits my crankbait the way the way that that fiberglass rod loads up mm-hmm. and the way they get it. You just, you just don't seem to lose near as many. And I think, and I feel like too, with that rod, I feel like I get more bites because, because when you say like you're hitting a stump that's out deeper, that rod loads up when that bait, that bill sticks into that stump and that rod loads up and it forces that bait to spring off of it, mm-hmm. which is, to me is what makes that fish bite and with a graphite rod you don't get that load you just get a kind of a dead pull and the bait just kind of pulls off of you know whatever it's hung on so i threw some of clint davis's uh m i think they're m1s yes rods awesome and they have revamped those for this year and they Mm -hmm. are slick they're really nice that's awesome earlier you talked about throwing something on 10 pound uh line can you spend a few minutes talking about what line selection can do and what it can change in your presentation when you're cranking yeah um yeah line i mean line can affect a bunch of things of course you know that line size diameter um be it fluorocarbon or mono it can affect you know how deep or shallow your bait runs thinner diameter the deeper your bait's going to run fluorocarbon uh has properties that uh that help it sink so so your bait's going to run a little bit deeper um also line diameter can affect um say like the wiggle of your bait Mm -hmm. like if you can you can put a heavier a heavier line on on a crankbait and it'll and it'll slow that wiggle down or not slow it down but it'll tighten it up right it won't be quite as wide um and you kind of get a feel for how different lines like line sizes and and fluorocarbon and mono how they affect a bait and you can use that to your advantage i mean there's been times where i've where i've been catching them 
say like on 12 pound line with the fat papa 70 on on a uh, 12 foot place mm-hmm. and and i'll have like a chartreuse blue back on and i'm reeling it and and i'm catching them and i know there's more fish there but i can't get them to bite no more i put on a nasty shad which is like a sexy shad color and 10 pound line and and use the same angle the same retrieve speed and everything but that bait on 10 pound line is is hitting the bottom a whole lot harder and it's really digging in the bottom and it has a more aggressive action and then it fires them back up and you catch a few more fish by doing that so what's your typical fat papa 70 setup what have we got line reel if you were going out first day of the tournament and you're going to throw that bait what, what do you got set up on it if if i if i'm on like a say a early postponed deal where the fish are 10 to 15 i'm gonna have i'm gonna have three cranking rods rigged up three phoenix cranking rods one with 10 one with uh 12 and one with 16 pound sunline sniper and all all of them are gonna have sneaky blue which is a which is a pale blue uh pale chartreuse uh sides fat pop 70. Hmm. you ever crank with mono i don't i don't anymore it's very rare it, I mean, it's so funny to hear different people say it. Like yeah. we got uh, one of our sales reps, Kentucky Lake guy, grew up there, mm-hmm. cranks extensively with eight and ten pound mono. Yeah, then you got David Fritz over there cranking with brain, mm-hmm. and right. then then you got the whole fluorocarbon group. I mean, I know it works yeah. for different people and what works for them. Yeah, I mean, you put a little more action with your rod, so you don't need the stretch of a mono exactly because you've got that bend in the in the glass rod. Exactly. I would rather I would rather use the the forgivingness in the rod than I had. Then I had the line. I don't, mm-hmm. and there's, I mean, and, and it it really doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to, if you want to use a graphite rod and crank with mono, then you, you know, you know that works too. It's just I just don't feel like mono is as abrasive, abrasive resistance as fluorocarbon is. So I just choose to set up my, you know, my rod with, mm-hmm. you know, in conjunction with fluorocarbon. So is there any any build shape or body type to get the better action if you're comparing, you know, running rock points and bouncing off a lot of rocks and a lot of wood versus some open water when you might have a school you're trying to run through? Um just, you know, uh, you know, I like a round bill bait um you know for most general purposes. Um I like to uh, I like a thin like the underside of the lip especially out towards the very end i like it to be really thin um one drawback of that is 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 you grind the bill down sooner than a, a bait that has a thick bill but but the pros to it is is you get a really really smooth more crisp action um and you get a little bit more roll which makes it which makes it smoother and uh I think you get more bites because that, and also it doesn't wear you out as much. It doesn't, it does, doesn't, uh, translate into more resistance mm-hmm. into the real You're not fighting handle. it as much. Yep. It's interesting. It's all good stuff right there. That's ready ready to go right fishing now. right now. <laughs> I saw how you pop, popped a little bit about rocks and, uh, just yeah. know that Tim Sward has a lot of rocks and he likes their crank rate. So yeah. that was a little selfish, but <laughs> we do appreciate that. I'd say there's other people out there listening. Like, <laughs> like y'all that. need, y'all need to, uh, try the fat Papa 55 on Tim Ford. Okay. Like, like right, right now, like that is a great, 
That's your five water. to nine footer, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is some. a great bait for, um, you know, cold water temperatures on those lakes where they draw down. It's a lot of rock cover. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I caught them on um, at a Cherokee uh, three years ago. It was first week of February, and I, I was the first guy out of the cut, so I finished 13th there. But I caught them good on that while everybody else was – you know, they're out there throwing, dropping that Demiki stuff out yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, that's different. Yeah, you were beating the bank up. Yeah, with that Fat Papa 55. It was, that was a fun tournament. It was like I was on the lake by myself because everybody was, you know, was out fishing deep. That first day when you didn't see anybody else. Yeah, I thought I was in trouble. Cause that, uh, it, that's what I'm going to ask. What's the mindset there? Like, it, you usually, know, in practice, you did well, right? Did yeah. you have a good practice? So, so. I mean, I, I mean, I felt like, you know, get one or two good bites a day, and I felt like I would have a, you know, a decent bag. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, usually, usually, if you don't see other guys doing the same thing, it uh, it can be bad. But oh, I'm, that's also, all I do. So also, <laughs> well, <laughs> man, I got this to myself. Those guys are suckers. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. I'm gonna head it on, put it on the trailer, and then you realize the jokes on you. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, it's played out that way for me more more times than the other way, but. But you, but that's something where you kind of stick to something you do, yes. and you weren't going to go out there and try to figure out a Demiki rig, or I mean, I don't think you throw a Kusa on the Kusa floating fly much, so you uh, weren't going to do that. You know, I, if the way I see it, if if a tournament like I like, you hear guys say, "Well, this week it was a grind." Like, like if I if I think that this event is going to be a grind, um. And it's it's not always easy to do this, but but I've noticed, especially the last few years, if if I take those grind tournaments and I do something that I'm extremely comfortable with and and really like doing, I I have much better results than grinding doing something that I don't want to do, or that I'm not just completely like I don't. If you know nobody would ever pick me and say, "Oh, that guy's great at dropping a, a Demiki rig mm -hmm. thirty five foot," but you know everybody knows I like to run around and crank. So if I have that option and I know the conditions are a little bit tough, then that's what I'm gonna do. From do you think home. you think some of that goes back to just the confidence? I mean, mm -hmm. if it's gonna be one of those tournaments where seven or eight bites a day is gonna be what you get, you know, you're probably gonna fish cleaner. You will running your style, you know. You will, and it and it'll boil down to the little bitty things. So when you're doing when you're doing something that you that you have done repetitively thousands and thousands thousands of times, when you get to that one little moment where you have to make some kind of tweak or some kind of adjustment, it comes more natural than if than if you're doing something you're not confident in. Because you will get to that moment where you have to make some kind of adjustment within what you're doing, and that transition is not going to be as natural as it is doing something that you that you're comfortable doing. I'm seeing a correlation between pitching and fishing here. Yes, where a pitcher does everything with muscle memory and comfortable and Absolutely. mechanics, and then now you're talking about it comes full circle. There's yeah. a lot, man. We're we're doing some good full circles here. Yeah. Money ball or, pitching. Dang. We're bringing this to the house, huh? Dang. We are. How far can you sling a crankbait? All right. Here's the trick. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, I'm uh, me and two other buddies of mine. We have this company called Hog Tech, and we did the. We made this company because of a couple things that we wanted 
not because we wanted to sell it, but because we wanted it. Mm -hmm. We wanted a better tungsten weight, and we wanted to be able to throw our crankbaits further. Well, so we figured out one of one of the guys, Mike Slappy. He is a, a mechanical engineer. He is he is brilliant, but he is eight up with fishing. Well, he he designed ceramic bearings to go in all of our reels. So when people see me throw a crankbait and they notice that I can throw one a long, long way. That's that's a big part of it is those bearings that I put in my reels. Hmm. They're sixteen bucks for a pair. Really? And they hard and you can just buy them based off a of model yep. reel you got. And you go on your yep. was you, it on the website? You can buy them from hogtech.com or tackle warehouse. Mm-hmm. And you know, we don't I mean, they're sixteen bucks, so you know, there's not a lot of markup in them and we don't you know, we don't have a distributor or anything. We do it out of a out of a garage. You know, but if we were going to buy a bunch of them for ourselves, we might as well buy a bunch to, you know, to turn a small profit on. So they're hard any, to put in. No, they're super easy to put in. Mm. Like the um, other Corados that I that I used this year, you just got that one little uh, clip. You pop it out. Just just make sure you got a hold of it until mm-hmm. it fly across the room, and uh, pull that one bearing out and put this one this one in. So when you touched on <clears throat> tungsten a minute ago, and this is something I wanted to bring up anyway. You know, tungsten versus lead. Mm-hmm. I'm on board with it. Me and Tim both throw a lot of tungsten. I feel like you can definitely fill a lot more. Mm-hmm. What What do you think the comparisons are lead to tungsten? Because a lot of people are still on the fence or just anti-paying the price for it. But I feel like you can tell a, lot, a big difference. Yeah, you can. Uh, you know, sensitivity-wise, it, you know, tungsten's it's harder, so it so it sends more vibrations up your line to your rod. So you're definitely gonna you're definitely gonna feel more. Um, I think too it has it has a much better uh, effect on on the bait. Like you know, you your bait just seems to come alive a little more with a smaller profile tungsten than it does with a with a bigger you know lead. Like the lead is going to fall slower one because of how much it weighs, but other because it's 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 got more force on it because it's a bigger mass than than tungsten so you know the water it's going to push more water away from the bait and it kind of kills some of the action of the yeah. bait do so, you think color matters we've had this discussion several times i think watermelon red catches them more than black on the tungsten <laughs> you think it matters i've seen times where i swore that like during a shad spawn and we don't we don't have silver ones mm-hmm. but i've seen times where i swore that a silver head, I and it's probably in my head. Mm-hmm. But a silver, uh, I mean, a silver weight got more bites during like a shad spawn. So yeah, it can it can affect. I, it. I think it's in my head. But Tim I, also fishes those red hooks, you know. He does. Oh yeah. <laughs> I swear, I'm gonna just say it. If you're throwing a Texas rig swim bait and you put a little chartreuse on your tungsten, yep. I think they think it's a fish going after something else and it triggered it. <laughs> I don't know if it works. I'm gonna keep doing it, and y'all can lie. I'm not going to do any red hooks, though. Hey, if it works for you, then it works. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stick to it. I was actually just buying some bearings while we were talking. I was was trying to look it up. It's like, damn, my cast doesn't go that far. (laughs) Maybe this will (laughs) help. Probably not. Because it's just mechanics, I bet. How how much further do you think it adds? Um, Gosh, I don't know. Like, if you got a little, if you got a little wind behind you and, you know, you know, you know everything's right at least 10 percent more for wow. sure i t- i tell you though 
where they really help, and I know I know we're talking about how far we can throw a crankbait, but where I notice a huge difference is uh, is like uh, pitching and skipping a jig, like mm-hmm. pitching the stuff. It takes it takes all the resistance off, and like it's pretty amazing how much easier you can skip a bait or a jig under a dock with those ceramic bearings. It makes a big difference. You can take a $150, $160 reel and turn it into a, a performing like a three or $400 reel. I better not get any for that. I'll be pulling out bigger bird nests than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try some. I'm kind of intrigued yeah. by that now. I did, definitely on like a cranking rod. Cause, yeah, you can always, I'd love it on topwater rod too, be able to throw it. Yeah, it helps. It does. Now, were you throwing – I'm going to jump around here. When you were at Bass Fest, mm-hmm. when you all had your community set up there – Below the power plant. Yes. Do you have barons in them there? I did. Yeah. I did. I had uh-huh. to figure to stay off of those fish because y'all wore, wore yeah. them out, didn't you? We did. That was fun. That was a fun. Tournament. That was a fun tournament. And that was, that was a big one, too, because there was like 150. Yes. I think that was the first year of Bass Fest. Yep. Yep. That was a that was kind of a cool deal. Yep. Class was in that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 That was a fun one. We had a... It was... I guess one of the things that made it fun is because that first one, we didn't fish for points. Right. So... You just need to go make some money out of this deal. Yeah. Or get yeah. a classic. Yeah. So me the and Crete and Van Dam probably, which we all get along, we're all good friends, but we probably made that work a lot better because, you know, it was just for points. Mm-hmm. But now, do you fun. still travel with anybody? Um, the, so this past year, um, since we started the Bass Pro Tour, I traveled with uh, Michael Neal and Andy Morgan. And we, uh, we Andy's wife, she... Uh, she handles all the logistics, gets all of our uh, our houses rented and, and lined up and everything. And man, I'm gonna tell you, this past year was the most fun I've had since I started fishing for a living, running with those two guys. Really? Yeah, I've always been really good friends with them, but never got to, you know, travel with them. Man, we just we had a ball. Mm-hmm. Ma- mainly me and Andy picking on Michael because you know <laughs> he's younger. <laughs> yeah. So me and Andy are we're both the same age. We're forty seven, and uh, I guess you could consider us older older guys. Mm-hmm. And Michael is, uh, I think he's twenty six now or twenty seven, but he acts older than us, mm-hmm. and we act huh. a whole lot younger than him. But we have a good time playing pranks on michael tim tim's the same way we joke about tim that if you ever get a letter from him he probably broke out a typewriter and sits there at the desk and click 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 click. you know michael neal is just like tim yeah he is an old soul yep good dude kids get off the lawn (laughs) fun to pick on well he's got his own business too uh now i do want you to oh you probably can answer it for him does he order from tackle warehouse or does he order from his shop if he needs something both okay yep mm-hmm. if they could yep. that i just wonder if you own a tackle shop who do you call first yep yeah because yep. you know if there's something that he doesn't stock yeah i know, mm-hmm. I know he does but he does a really good job of stocking based off of what's what's actually working at that time like he really yeah. i've noticed mm-hmm. that he changes out some inventory he's got a great shop over there but All right well he's you know he's a pro fisherman and one of the best there is mm-hmm. um so he's really dialed in on what's you know on what's working and what's selling and 
So, yeah, he's always got everything you need over there. Well, y'all picking on him must have helped because he did have a good year. Boy, he takes – when when we pick – the harder we pick on him, the better he catches them. So he probably is thankful for it then. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's like, come on, bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more. Because he's not been doing it, what, just a couple of years? I know he did uh, so FLW. He, well, I mean, I don't think he ever – he fished – he might have fished uh, FLW for four seasons, and I could be wrong. But I don't think Michael has finished outside the top ten in the points yet. Mm-hmm. Michael's probably the best fisherman that that some people have never heard of. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's gonna be around a long time. Well, he made quite a splash this year. Yes, yes, he's good. He's he's really good. And Andy Morgan will beat you with a Walmart sack. Andy Morgan is is incredible. Yeah, I find that so crazy how much faith he has in one rod or one bait and then puts yep. it up and gets one out he's very yep. minimalistic with some of that yep yep he's very yeah he's very simple and uh i mean i'll crawl in his boat on off day and just look like like there's nothing in there mm-hmm. like what do you use there's nothing in there <laughs> and then all my stuff's all scattered everywhere and, and uh, so who's the messiest out of the three of y'all well it depends michael's boat's probably the neatest um, Andy's the messiest. Yeah. yeah, Andy leaves cups laying around. His boat's always trashed. Yeah, who cooks the most when y'all are on the road? Michael started out cooking and and it was awful. So <laughs> so we got rid of that. <laughs> Executive. Luckily, decision. Misty came and she cooked um, some. And Jill, my wife, came. We're trying to get Michael a wife, but he's too tight. <laughs> um, but if we could get him a wife, we would. Have another cook. That'd be nice. Yeah. I'm going to try to do some cooking this year. We was talking about that the other day. Um, I'm going to try to cook some uh, some deer meat. we got some elk put up. And try to do some of that on the road. We talked with Brad the other day. He always brings us some elk meat and elk uh, spaghetti mm-hmm. and elk tacos. That sounds good. Are phenomenal. When you get it ground up, I mean, it's just lean. It's good, clean. Y'all carry a grill with you or you just hope the house has one? Yeah, just hope, you know. Mm-hmm. We have one out and bought one and wound up leaving it there probably but little joe wet what's it called the what's that little weber grill a little smoky joe weber yeah, yeah that's right that's right yeah don't even bother cleaning them just leave them yeah. Yeah, that's 19 dollars. Right. that's worth the investment yeah, yeah. what about an instapot you, you guys on that instapot craze yet no you talking about like a crock pot you need thing? to be no it's like a air pressure cooker yeah it's like the old pressure cookers like your grandma used uh-huh. to have with the pot valve but man you can take a like a frozen, completely frozen pot roast. Right. And within like 60 to 90 minutes, it is fall off the fork. Really? Yes. Dude, you just set it in there with some beef broth and uh-huh. a little bit of seasoning, uh-huh. touch it, and it, it'll ding. You let the pressure off, and it's... Right. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've done ribs in them, and if you only got an hour, yeah, you can have pull pull the bone out, fall off the bone ribs. Instapot. Instapot. Yeah. They're like 70 bucks, I think, or something. And they got several different ones. Not like know. an air fryer. I'm going to get on Amazon and order one while we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, ribs on them. I'll trade you an Instapot for some Barons. Deal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we know you got to get going, but we wanted to hit on, um, I mean, you've kind of jumped around some different Phoenix models. Um, And Mm -hmm. are you the kind of person that when you look at the schedule for next year or know kind of what you're facing, do you you like to have your boat based off of that, or do you just like um, a little change every now and then? Yeah, I have before. Um, I know one year – I know one year we were, uh, it seemed like we were going to some fisheries where we were going to make long runs, but like on 
rivers and deltas and stuff. So I went with a 920 mm-hmm. that year. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I guess the last few years I've been running a 921 and then, you know, the 921 PHX come along. I've just mm-hmm. fell in love with that boat. But, you know, I still always say one of my favorite boats was the first boat that I ran 10 years ago was the 721 Pro mm-hmm. XP. That is the that is a coolest little boat. It's nimble, quick. It rides so good. I mean, I, I love that thing. Well, we both started out of one. Yeah. yeah. Still here. Uh, I think everybody who's kind of worked here has, has run that boat for a year. Yeah. Uh, so that was the only it's been boat put we had the paces. years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, it's really kind of been our flagship boat and yeah, everything's based off of that boat. That's so right. There's definitely some characteristics from, from our other lines, but yeah. um, on that PHX, are you liking the bigger lid in the center? I do. Or, uh, what, I love what's that. What's the layout that you like? I love that layout um, to where you open up that one lid and you got, you got everything right there. And I fell in love with, um, the my system of how I store things and and now I'm kind of reluctant to change you know any of that you know I keep so I keep the majority of my plastics on the driver's side rod box mm-hmm. and you know I've got all my uh I've got all my hard baits towards the back of the center big box which you know are lighter and then I put all my my lead stuff and tungsten weights all the heavy stuff more closer back towards me. Um, and then of course all my rods fit You can fit more rods than you need in the, uh, in the left side. How many rods you typically carry with you? Upper twenties, maybe mm-hmm. usually 27, 28. I've been thinking about scaling that down a little bit. And the reason, the reason I'm thinking about scaling that down this year is because there's a few rods, um, that, uh, the Phoenix rod guys have in the recon line that I think are going to be a little more versatile. Mm-hmm. So I may be able to use a couple of rods for more, for more different scenarios, which will eliminate, you know, four or five rods in that, you know, in that box. And now we're running Garmin's still. Yes. What And live scope, live scope. Are you doing the Garmin trolling motor? I am. Yeah. That thing's slick. It is slick. It's so quiet. And uh, the it's the year of the trolling motor this year. For it sure. is. It is. It's, it's about time. We've, mm-hmm. we've been needing some more advancements in trolling motors because there's plenty of room for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, I think they've done a good job with it. It was funny. It's been about four years ago. Me and uh, Clint Davis were at a Garmin Writers Conference, and uh, and uh, one of the management guys said, "What do we need? What is?" Not what can Garmin do. What do y'all need to make you better fishermen? And we both like shouted out trolling motor, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what we need." So that's that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Is in uh, we all got to talking about it, and you know, the whole pro staff was there, and we all got to talking about it, and you know, kind of it took a long time, but we got it. So well, I, you you touched a second ago about. The year you had the nine twenty because you looked at the schedule, had some longer runs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Being on the BPT now, I learned something the other day that I didn't know about about you guys being able to take out at whatever ramp you wanted to and stuff. So changing that style of fishing, you find yourself, you know, not worrying about the long run because you know you can get there before lines in and all that. And then how do you transition into keeping the trolling motor down and not bouncing around the lake chasing 
a couple big fish versus the quantity? Well, it's just, you know, every, you know, every venue is, you know, is different. And, you know, it's just, a, you just have to strategize mm-hmm. to fit the format. Um, you know, you, you know that if you run an hour and, in one direction, you don't have to be back at any certain time now. So it adds, I mean, it adds a little more strategy to it. Um, and I like that. I, I think, uh, I think we have complicated, um, strategy mm-hmm. with the format and, and this group of guys love it. Like, like when, when everybody else is able to fish in this format, they're going to see why we like it so much because there's it's so much more that goes into into your day like there's never a i don't know there's it's never not that you ever lay back and chill but there's never any relaxing it's what about not even during the 15 minute break that's the only time mm-hmm. but you know what i don't relax in the 15 minute break it's amazing every single time They'll say, okay, line's out. And I jump down, and I'm retying everything. I'm shoving a little bit of food in my mouth, drinking some squincher or whatever, something else, throw a five-hour energy down, and and maybe uh, maybe tweaking a few things or grabbing some stuff that you know I want to try the next period. And then I look up, and he's, and he's saying, you got 30 seconds left, and I have not – I haven't stopped. So it's like there is it's like we don't take advantage of the break for rest. We take advantage of it to to prepare. So mm-hmm. there really there really is no break. Can you run on the brakes? No. Okay, so it's motor shut off. Yep. Yep. You gotta you gotta either power pull down or hit anchor lock and mm-hmm. stay right there. I've got a yeah. question then. So when you can have this break, mm-hmm. does it make you think about, man, I could retie this, but I may wait, wait an hour and risk losing a fish until you, you can get to that 15-minute period? Like if you're feeling your line, man, it's kind of nick, but I want to slow down. Yeah. You you fact, you start to factor in that clock a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You you make decisions based on that clock and based on that score tracker. And, I mean, you can use it to – you can choose to use it as a deterrent or something to aggravate you or get in your head, or you can use it as, you know, as an advantage. Now, do you like hearing the constant updates? No. <laughs> can you, can you ask your marshal, man, just tell me like, if do they have to tell you like five times a day? I don't like by a I, minimum. It's not that I don't like hearing the updates. I don't like to hear somebody else's way in one. Mm-hmm. It's and no, you can't like, I think your marshal, not your marshal, your uh, boat official is required to give you an update every 15 minutes. So you're going to hear it regardless. regardless. And uh, now do you get some that are like every couple of minutes? I ask for them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All the time, especially, especially if I'm around any, any of the cut lines. So Mm -hmm. I want to know where I'm at and, and I want to know, like I'll say, like I may tell, tell my guy, um, if uh, so and so, you know, if so and so catches one, let me know, mm-hmm. and you know, you you start to learn off of it. I mean, every everybody knows it's you know, it's right there. If you see Bobby Lane going down a dock and he's skipping a chatterbait under docks, and I take off and run to another creek, and I hear 
Bobby Lane caught one while I was running that creek. I know he caught one on a chatterbait, skipping under a dock. What if they didn't tell you the name? Would you you be a proponent of that? If they just said first place is twenty and cut lines ten, that, and you didn't know who it was. That's fine. Either yeah, you know, no matter you know whatever the format is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm good with it. If ever you know, if everybody else wants to play under any kind of format, I'm I'm good with it, just as long as the same for anybody else. Right. I mean, if they did a format change, I was just thinking when you said that story of Bobby ran by. Yeah. So you kind of already had a little insight there. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, completely legal and to your advantage to pay attention to that. Yeah. Well, for a guy to make note of it. Yeah. Well, if I was fishing a three fish limit mm-hmm. and and saw Bobby skip a chatterbait under a dock and I see him reel one in, well, there's no difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just that's part of the game. That's, mm-hmm. How how fast can you burn in a two pounder when that clock's ticking five four? Fast. <laughs> yeah. Fast. That's nerve wracking. I don't know if I don't know how many of y'all saw when uh uh Andy Montgomery oh, oh, that was lit crazy. the nine pounder yes. Conrad that was on, nuts. on one. That was that yeah. was insane. I think it'd be cool to see some kind of a format, you know, like uh you know, golf, you play the skins games, and I know me and my buddies used to play it this way. Whoever won the hole mm-hmm. got to steal a club from somebody's bag. Yes. I think it'd be cool to have have a fun <laughs> fun day like that for you guys where you could steal a bait out of somebody's boat or steal a certain rod out of it. Yep. And they had to win a ne- win the next fish to get the next one back or something. Yep. <laughs> now, are you putting a power pole button uh, on one of your rod locker lids like Edwin did? I I told Duke to put me one on there, so mm-hmm. so when I uncover it here in a few minutes, my new uh, nine twenty one, we'll see if he remembered <laughs> to do it. But if not, yes, I'm going to screw one down, and uh, and that will s- save some time. Oh, it will. Yeah, mm-hmm. Edwin, he's got it down to a science. I mean, yes, he's Edwin like sixteen seconds, and like as can be. I wonder if they're going to come out with fish catching gloves, like receiver gloves for y'all. Ooh, that's a good idea. I mean, you think about like something with some grip, like you're flipping yeah. that thing and yeah. you can constantly just grab a hold of that joker. Let's come up with one. Yeah. Which is, we'll make Phoenix. It'll say Phoenix right here on the knuckles, just perfect. <laughs> like the tattoos. <laughs> and every time you catch have a one, bird, you fist bump the camera. Yeah. Yeah. With the Phoenix on there. Absolutely. Do you have any uh, um, martial experiences or official experiences this year that were like. Uh, we talked to Justin. He had one where the update came in real late, and he said it was the longest boat ride back in. Cause he yeah, got he said it was like cut. five or six minutes. He was already idling back thinking he'd made the cut, and all of a sudden it was like, oh. Uh, do you have anything like that come gosh. through this year? Um, I'll try to think. None that none that, uh, none that that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, no. But, I, you know, I've, I've heard and I've seen. I know, what was it, I can only – Celebrated, thought he was in, and yep, yeah, Toho, and then he got the update mm-hmm. about two minutes later. Would you rather be in group A or B? I think B, really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, what's the reason behind it? Um, you know, we can't look at anything or nothing, but you, but you know, like what the weights are, mm-hmm. you know, know what the standings are, and it's you just kind of maybe get a little more feel of what you know how it's going to go down the next day. What and I know they can't do this for BPT because you got a lot more boaters and everything like that. But did you like the selects where you didn't know what lake you were fishing more? Like, do you think that's a better format, or how do you how do you compare them? Um, I mean, I don't really compare them because they're just two different two different formats. So, I mean, they're both they're both fun, and they're mm-hmm. and there's guys like you know we see guys that excel at one. 
you know, better than the other. And, you know, right. some of them are just good at. Uh, Would you prefer no practice? I kind of like this. I kind of like the dynamic we have right now of yeah. having, of qualifying for the cups and the cups, you know, being no practice mm-hmm. and fishing against, you know, eight or 10 guys at once. And like those, those cups are fun and they're stressful in their own way. And, and, you know, you, you have to make, adjustments just like you do on you know after practicing mm-hmm. for a vpt it's just a you just have to make those adjustments based on you know what's in front of you right at that moment mm-hmm. instead of what you've seen over you know over the last few days so duke's been bringing up something here lately and i'm gonna have to ask you just because i think it's a pretty good question coming up on the springtime mm-hmm. you get five rods on the front of the boat and that's all you get mm-hmm. what are you gonna have tied on I got a Spro Fat Papa 70, a Spro Fat Papa 55. I got a half ounce Buckeye pitch and skip jig. I've got a big bite five inch trick stick with a 316 tech weight. And I've got a big bite um, finesse worm with a, uh, a Buckeye Magnum spot remover jig head, eighth ounce. All right. That was pretty quick. You rattled those off pretty quick. <laughs> No hesitation. It's I not like broke, it. don't fix it. That's it right. sounds like. <laughs> um, going back to the boat we're about to go pick up, uh, what kind of what kind of Phoenix options that has been something you've kind of always done to the boat? Padded deck? I mean, is there any kind of trailer options you like to do or look-wise, some things you like to do? Um, you know, I like the I like the uh, gator hide on the on the trailer, mm-hmm. traveling on, you know, as much traveling as we do. You know, the trailer still looks good at the end of the year. Um, man, uh, yeah, of course the padded deck, padded deck yeah, is the one of my favorites. Deck is awesome. Mm-hmm. You really get shocks on your trailers here? I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the shocks. Yep, it does help a lot. Um, one thing I've really enjoyed since we got the uh, the steps with the pole to climb in the boat, Dude, the trick steps. Legit. Yes, yes. We laughed about that. Oh, that's an old man step. Till you get yeah. one, yeah, and you're like, I'm not having one without it now. You know, it's uh, funny. I think my favorite part about the trick step is mm-hmm. getting up and down in the boat in the driveway. Yes, whenever I'm just getting ready to go fishing. I know. I mean, you that, climb right up that sucker, and not having to go back to the fender and uh-uh. step up and climb over the seat. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and if you got stuff in your hands, not having to lay it down, yep. pick it back up. I mean, all that's yeah. Forget to clean out the the um, cooler or something you, mm-hmm. where you wouldn't do it before because you tired or something you just walk up the steps and jump in there and get it right on in. have you got yeah. to see the uh the new thoroughbred rims with the colored inserts yet yes as a shark they, they, shark good. they yeah. are sweet looking mine look good yeah <laughs> <laughs> and our seats um our, our new seats look good too i really like yeah. the new look of the 20s uh the yeah. steering wheel and the seats coupled did together you, did you yeah. get the heated did you get them heated if duke put it on there i hope he did i don't have them yet i don't either i'd love to get some yeah I probably kind of nice. he probably forgot mine too. Yeah, he put them in his boat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. I see you the same color. This work. <laughs> Sorry, Russ. Uh, same with that power pole uh, button. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's been cool over the last ten years though to watch, uh, you know, watch all the things that this company's done with all the bringing out all the new models and all the tweaks and giving guys, you know, the options that they ask for for, you know, to fit the bodies of water that they that they fish on. But great. As well as y'all know, I've been with them a long time now, too. Well, I think it's cool to see and hear from some of your stories about even the rods and the, the lures and Garmin. And, and now, I mean, we're bringing it back full circle with the boat. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we're a company 
Gary fishes the elites. Yep. Duke's on out on the uh, FLW series. Brian and I are jackpotting Wednesday nighters when we can. Um, donate. Comp- we donate. We yeah. do donate. Yeah, but we got to hit that ten ninety nine. But anyway, right. I mean it's a it's a company that fishes and looks yeah. like you've aligned yourself with companies that that fish. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. always it's always a good feeling when you enter a relationship with a company and the and a lot of the people that are making the decisions are are fishermen mm-hmm. because they get it and they you know they want to build just like us me and my other two buddies starting the hog tech company. We started that because we wanted we wanted to cast further and we wanted a better tungsten weight mm-hmm. and you know if if that's if you can boil it down simply to that in a company you know that's a that's a pretty good goal to have just yeah, that's been one of products. my biggest draws here mm-hmm. and i mean i've always wanted to be in this industry but a company that fishes and gets it and yeah i mean gosh just even down to little things putting water bottles by the seat so let's put cup holders there i mean yes. that's uh yes it's just a company that definitely gets it well i mean you talked about i mean it, in whatever industry you are, if people get it, it makes sense. You know, perfect example, a few minutes ago, you were talking about Michael Neal. He gets it. Tim's talking about how great his store is. Yeah. There's the correlation. Yeah. I mean, if you know what's going on, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to have the right product, and people are going to respect yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Um, I, it, I don't think there's anybody here that wouldn't agree with that. No. It's good to see um, – sorry about that. It's good to see uh, people who fish – now getting into the business side of the fishing industry because mm-hmm. that's gonna that's gonna bring more innovation into the industry and we're gonna have better equipment and boats and and tools to so we can have more fun on the weekends. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I know you got to get out of here, so I think we need to get our hot shit uh, questions up and rolling. What are you, what are you laughing at for? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Let's do it. I wish I'm about to come across this table that you give me that dirty look. <laughs> You're not big enough, boy, son. <laughs> I'm don't put on. Let me get my video out. <laughs> <laughs> Going viral. <laughs> yeah. What's that? World Star Hip Hop? <laughs> Phoenix edition. All right. So let's see. You start it because you always do better. All right. There's a little backstory to this that I'm not going to go into. But favorite karaoke song? Um, uh, uh, Mama and the Train, or what is it called? Wagon Wheel? No, um, I got a wife out of it. What? <laughs> what? That's how we met. What it's is karaoke. the song? Uh, uh, David Allen Coe, uh, what is the name of the song? Um, you don't have me, darling, darling. You never even call me by, by my, my name. name. Yeah. That um, song. Anyway. Uh, seafood or Steaks? Uh, steaks. Flip-flops or tennis shoes? Tennis shoes. Um, good night. We're going to have to edit that long pause out. Favorite baseball team? There you go. Um, bad News Bears. I don't, I I like don't watch it. baseball anymore. <laughs> what was your fastball signal? One. One? And if it was, uh, if it was the middle finger, then it was going to be up and in. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Go-to color on the crankbait? Sneaky blue. One bait you can't live without? Um, The pitch and skip jig. Favorite fishery? Fork. How many iPhones have you broken? Two. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> kind of threw me. I wasn't expecting that one either. Yeah. I broke more trolling motors. Uh, how many? How many? Uh, Probably at least. More than, more than half a dozen. Really? Yeah. Hmm. 
Favorite snack on the water? A salt and vinegar, blue diamond almonds. What do you listen to on a long drive? Uh, podcast, Sirius XM, radio? Um, Definitely talk radio. Mm-hmm. What do you like to listen to, Joe Rogan? I love Joe Rogan. Um, gosh, I even listen to Stern sometimes. Not not some of the goofy stuff he has, but some of his interviews are really good. Um, lots of podcasts. Yeah. Podcasts. Books. Uh, listen to uh, audio books. What's your favorite genre of book? Uh, just athletes. Biography kind of stuff? Um, Chipper. Uh, like uh, I think the last one I listened to was Chipper's. Chipper Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good one. Yeah. I got a little chipper store myself. Yeah. Damn <laughs> yeah, we, we all do. Bummed a dip off me at my senior prom. Really? Yeah, he's the neighbor of the folks uh, whose after party we were at, and he came over, and uh, he forgot his can, hung out with us, and <laughs> then went and hit. Uh, he was three for three the next day with a home run, and the game was at noon. Gosh. But, yeah. He, with your uh, dip, he hit a bomb. Took a little pinch of that grizzly mint, almost cleared me out, but uh, it was worth it. I'd like to think that I contributed to that success the next day. So you did. One of those home runs was definitely mine. <laughs> All right. Coffee or Coke? Neither. Neither? Really? Yeah. yeah. I used to drink coffee, and uh, I guess the last um, year or so, I've kind of changed my diet, and and I don't know if it's got anything to do with that. Like, I eat, I just eat more, uh, eat more venison and... And I don't eat as near as much red meat, and I don't eat breakfast anymore. And like my coffee cravings have went away. And I don't, I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but I don't even want coffee anymore. If you had to have a sandwich in the boat, PB and J or ham and cheese? <coughs> PBJ. That's yeah, hard. Grape or strawberry? Grape. Crust on or off? Off. White bread or wheat bread? Wheat. Mm. I think we lost that there. Death. Yeah, I'm out on that. <laughs> but but I would, but that ain't something I would eat anymore. Very rarely would I eat that now. What is your typical um, drink of choice on the boat during the day? Uh, water or five-hour energy. You ever try chilling can, the five wait, hours? Wait, hold on. Do you consider that a drink? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. You ever try chilling those things? Yes. Dude, they're so much better they're, when they've been cold. They're really smooth when they're cold. They're awesome. Yeah. What's your favorite flavor? Uh, the new camo one. Uh, it's apple. Green apple. Yep. Yes. It comes in camo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Does that help you deer hunt? Because oh, it's in camo. Oh yeah, that's what, that's how I made that fifty-one yard shot on that. Uh, you killed big some nine. deer this year. Yes, that was good. Man, I'm I'm about tapped out. Yeah, I'm too. That's all y'all Man, got. Wow. I mean, I'm still trying to process some good information we got on cranking. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool you got Phoenix rods and Phoenix boats. That's still been. Yep. And I'm stuck on the fact too. you only lost two cell phones. I know. I'm pretty good at that. It's pretty impressive. That's pretty awesome. I've been lucky, probably. Is Jill coming on the road with you? You said some this year. A little more this year. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. She's going to come to a few events. And uh, you got a son? Is he about to graduate? He's already graduated. Okay. Yep. He is in uh, South Carolina, and uh, he is working at a machine shop and and living life and having fun. He's That's doing awesome. Good. Yeah. So empty nest. How's yes. that feel? It's good. It's like it's a reward good. a little bit. I mean, you yes. still want your kids to be good, but yeah, you kind of. You know, we still got Jensen, the the daughter still. She That's got right. one more year at uh, Alabama, University of Alabama. So War Eagle. we're ready to get her off the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. And what's she, uh, what's she majoring? Marketing. Is she going to do your marketing? 
we're going to see how good she is at it first. Yeah. <laughs> That's smart. That's <laughs> she, smart. Has she shown any interest in uh, a little outdoors? Bit. A little bit, yeah. And doing some of the marketing? I mean, yeah. there's so many. No, I mean, social media has created opportunities for everybody now. Well, the thing um, is, she's... Um, you know, she's grown up in it, and she knows all the fishermen. She knows a little bit about so many companies, and I mean, it would it would probably be a, as easy a transition for her. Mm-hmm. You know, coming you know coming straight from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to jump into the outdoor industry. Who's her favorite fisherman besides you, Casey Ashley? That's my wife's too. Yeah, she. That's to, the only person apparently she can remember. She says he's got nice teeth, but I, yeah, I doubt it. God, he's, that I dude. said that about a girl one time too. She's got nice teeth. <laughs> he's got everything. He can sing. Yeah, good looking. Got the uh, yeah. My wife, actually, my mom knows Casey Ashley too. So, oh really? Mm-hmm. He's getting a little gray on top though. He don't take that hat off as much. But it I works for George Clooney. Though, that's so. what I was about to say. He's like <laughs> the George Clooney of fishing. He's now he's even better looking. <laughs> Sucker. Oh, man. I thought she was going to say like Michael Neal or somebody. Did y'all ever hear about the story about me and Scroggins and I don't know why I'm bringing this up, and uh, Casey on stage in Nashville? Mm -mm. So Casey wanted to sing at Tootsie's. And uh, so, you know, of course, I got a wife singing karaoke, so Mm -hmm. I got to get up there with him and sing back up until we get up there. And... uh, and he's singing, and he's, you know, Casey's good, and he can work the room. And, man, everybody went crazy. And I'm back there doing whatever it is I'm doing, backing <laughs> up. And I'm like, this is awesome. They're clapping for us. Anyway, we walk off stage, and uh, Scroggins and uh, and uh, a couple other guys that were with us are over there laughing. I'm like, what y'all laughing at? It was good. And I said, man, they was hollering for me and Casey. He says, they weren't hollering for you. We cut your mic off. <laughs> <laughs> Unplugged you before you knew it. Yes. Well, I knew you had sang. Uh, we were in Nashville, what, I guess it was two years ago. Yeah. And my wife wants to sing karaoke if there's a karaoke opportunity, and I'm never getting up there. And she's good at it. Well, I appreciate you getting up there with her because I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. yeah, she works the room pretty good. Yeah. yeah. She does. She gets everybody engaged. Well. I guess we got a feature in karaoke then. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. What did you drop that night? Was it a Hank Jr. song? I Y'all think, did two up there. Yeah, they did a couple. I think it was. Yeah. Y'all did two, I thought. Yeah. I definitely got the crowd uh, pumping over there. Well, I forget even what bar that was. It definitely wasn't Benny and the Jets. I know it was that. the one no. that uh, the, the, the karaoke bar. Yeah. I don't remember oh, the I name. I can't remember the name. It was right there on the strip. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, she, let's go sing some karaoke, I guess. I guess we're going to have to. <laughs> Finally get Tim out of his shell. Not going to do it. I hope they unplug my mind. Tim just likes to sit back and make fun of everybody. Yes. You, gotta, you stand there next to Tim, you get a pretty good laugh. <laughs> when you've been around as long as I have, you just know when to when to hold them and when to fold them. All 20, 24 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be 30. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, gee. Still get ID'd by shotgun shell. Probably do. <laughs> You going to hunt anymore? Uh, you also got a little bit of season left down there in South Alabama. Yeah, up until uh, February 15th. I'm going um, to take the new boat that I'm picking up today, and I'm going to – I'm probably going to fish most every day this week. And then uh, and Where are you going to go fish? I'm going to go to Jordan, the Alabama River, and uh, Lake Mitchell and Lay Lake. I'm going to fish all those places and just get – just, you know, what we call get back in fishing shape, get back in the rhythm and the – did you know? I fished it every day this past week. So, 
I got to ask you real quick. So you're you've grown up on the Kusa. Mm-hmm. You got that little pop technique down with the swim jig coming through the grass. Yes. That is like, I mean, it's like something you only learn if you grow up down there. And you try to duplicate it Mm -hmm. after watching, you can't. I mean, you definitely need to do it every day down there. But you get the you get that rod in the perfect place in your palm and and you bounce the rod off of the your thumb pad. That's Mm -hmm. that's how uh, the guys that are really good at it. If you watch them, that's what they're doing. They're just they're they're bouncing the butt of that rod off of that. It keeps it in pad. the strike zone for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen it work on Logan countless times. Yes, you mm-hmm. just can't reel it that speed to get it to that. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. How long did it take you to learn it? Mm, once we figured it out, we started first off. We started just throwing it out there and and uh, just reeling it in as fast as we could. I and mean, we were even putting trailer hooks on our on our jigs, which was weird, but it. I mean, it would work, but uh, but once we figured out how to get that bounce going, and we called it making the jig freak out. Mm-hmm. You try to hang it up on the grass and make it freak out. A little bit like if a, you see a shad spawning on grass or something when they come up and they wiggle and take off, you kind of want to make that jig do that. But once we figured out that they liked that jig hitting that grass, we started shaking it, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you know, I don't know. What's your favorite place on the Kusa? Depends on the conditions. Right now, it's a Lay Lake. Lay Lay Lake's on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Um, let the water get uh, just a little bit warmer, and uh, maybe one more big, big warm rain, and Jordan will be will be the best. So, if you had to rank them, your favorite ones to go to, let's say they're all in perfect condition, what are you ranking on the Kusa? Jordan. Jordan yeah, first, it, then under Lay. Perfect conditions. I would say Mitchell then Lay. Logan, not even top three. Not for me, mm-hmm. but not because not because it ain't just as good because it is. Um, Logan is probably the best lake of of uh, all the all four of those under in dead of winter conditions. Mm-hmm. They really bite on that lake because they well they draw the water down. That's typical of drawdown lakes. They're usually really good cold water lakes. Mm-hmm. So it can, I mean, it can be really good. It's just I haven't spent near the time on that lake as I have. It's not ones. close for you, really, is it? Well, it's not too far, but it is. You know, the other two are, you know, twenty minutes and forty minutes, and and it's like an hour and forty five minutes away. Mm. Did you cut your teeth out in Gunnersville at all when you guys were getting started in team deals? We would go up there, um, and fish a little bit in uh, March and April. And then uh, once the fish would get offshore, or or back then flipping was real, it was a really good way to win tournaments up there, like in June. And, you know, now you can't hardly win a tournament up there flipping in June. You got to be offshore even more. But we would go up there in those two periods and fish, you know, a couple of tournaments a year. It was always fun. What's one bait that's kind of, I wouldn't say died away, but people don't give it enough notice that you think is going to make a comeback? Um. A buzz bait is always a player. Mm-hmm. If you watch, I mean, if you watch those, uh, if you watch the cup events, I'm not talking about the Bash Pro Tour, I'm talking about the cup events. If you watch those and you see how much a buzz bait is a player in those events, it's it's crazy. No matter, no matter, seems like where we go, a guy jumps out really fast with a buzz bait. Always. 
I mean, it's just a good search bait. It's a great search bait, and and you can catch numbers of fish on it. You, of course, you catch big ones on it. You cover tons of water fast. You like to put a frog or a swim bait on yours uh, if you're just going to go start probing and searching. If if I'm if I think I'm going to be like skipping it under you know under bushes or you know anything, then I'll put like a big bite toad on it. Um, if not, I, I like to put a cane thumper or big bite makes a little swim bait called a suicide shad. I like to put, you know, that smaller swim bait profile on it. You rip the skirt off all the time almost, when you do those? Almost always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You run yep. the trailer hook? No, I never do. You break your buzz baits in? I hold them out. The car went first. No, here's the whole scenario. This is what I do. Take the rivet off. I take a file. And I carve like three grooves in the rivet, in 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 three different directions, mm-hmm. like distinct grooves. And then I put it back on, and then and then I'll hold the buzz bait out the truck window. How long? Until it until it gets that wine that it, you want. Yeah, till it sounds like like it makes you mad. It sounds <laughs> so squeal so much. Do you think color of a buzz bait blade matters? Probably not, but to me, gold is... You throw gold more than silver? I do, but the guys that are really good at it, um, Andy Montgomery, Jacob Wheeler, um, Spray, they, they always got silver on. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just feel like I got I get more bites on gold. And yep. then I see some guys that like to throw nothing but a black blade all the time. It, no. No, don't, you don't? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's scenarios where it might matter, but... But running down the bank in the morning, you know, probably doesn't matter. No. They're they're up there to feed. So, so you're you tinker with a lot of your tackle, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you got stuff that everybody makes a good product, but there's just little confidence things that you do to them. Mm-hmm. You uh, let's say you've got a, a pack of baits. I mean, uh, what's the first thing? Do you change hooks just for depth, or you do anything? You take anything really straight out of the box that you don't kind of put your own little trademark on? Yeah, some, but there's a lot of, I mean, gosh, there's so many things. There's so many things that I and the other pros probably take for granted that they do that other people don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do, like with crankbaits, I, I tinker with uh, putting lead tape on them to change change different things about the bait. You can change the running depth. Um, you can change the action um, you can make it suspend or you can make it suspend, uh, in a particular angle, like by just by, and the, and the reason I started doing that was when I started designing baits for Spro, I realized how much, how much of an effect where you put the belly weight and the weight in the bill and around the bait, how much of an effect it had on the action of the bait. So I started playing with lead tape to make baits do different things. Mm-hmm. Like if you really like, if if you got a situation where it's cold water and the water's clearing up, you've been catching them on a bait that has a real wide action that moves a lot of water, but you really want to continue to use that bait. Put you some lead tape out on the end of the bill, and it'll tighten. It'll tighten that tighten action that wobble up. up. Yeah, you may have to go up a line size if they're still sitting the same depth but you know but who cares it it tightens mm-hmm. the wobble up a little bit who taught you I, I remember reading an article you did about a rivet in your swim baits to do a line through mm-hmm. did you just come up with that no i didn't come up with that i had seen um 
I had seen guys put straws through them. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember doing coffee stirs at one point. Yeah, and- I think Ot Defoe might have been the first one I heard talking about sticking a rivet, you know, a rivet in there. Mm-hmm. But no, I wasn't the one to come up with that. Well, it cost me some money buying rivets, but it definitely keeps your swim baits longer. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really can do it and glue it in there, and mm-hmm. you won't have to move it for a month or two sometimes. No. No. Do you like a treble hook with those? I do, yeah. More times than not? I like a treble hook fishing open, clear water. Mm-hmm. So you can downsize your line with that with a treble hook. You stick a weight in there, too? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you pin your treble hook? Yes. Mm-hmm. Even in open water, you like to pin it? Yes. Yep. Man, I'm getting some good stuff today. Y'all better watch out when we have our, <laughs> our Phoenix Employees Tournament because it's, it's on now. It's on. I got it. I'm going to buy me some lead tape. <laughs> Shaved couple bills. I'm I'm sad. I'm, I'm bad about like adding color to baits too. Like like with a you know, a marker or a dye pen or, you know, dipping tails and like I believe I believe that, that that can make a big difference at times. I think it can. Mm-hmm. Until you leave that bait in uh JJ is too long and it. it's gone. <laughs> <It's> gone. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they're just eating the tail off it. I don't know. <laughs> Bunch of bluegill. <laughs> well she yeah, I gotta get, go get tinkering now. I know. I'm ready to get out there, yeah. mess with some stuff. I gotta go break this new boat in. Yeah, you got ten hours of breaking. You better get going. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Double oil. Double oil. How fast you've had your 21 PHX up to? Um, you know, you know, I load it down. It runs just depending on the conditions. Runs 71, 72. But I, man, I keep a tremendous amount of stuff. I know you do load it down pretty good. Yeah, I have. I remember one time, um, I think it was two years ago, I picked up the 21 and uh, I had an open down at a Toho. And uh, Klaus had already had his boat and we were down there staying together. We were fishing the fishing the open and, uh, and I took it easy. I hadn't even put it in the water yet. So I took it easy from Toho Marina down to the, to the dam and we both locked through and I opened that sucker up in the canal and I didn't have, I didn't have anything but like, I don't know, some frogs and a few flipping sticks because I was in Florida. That's just what I was Mm going to do. I didn't have hardly anything in it. And uh, that boat hit 80 miles an hour that morning. Good. But we had, you know, we had current, right? we had current going and, and it was cool and wasn't humid at all or anything. Mm -hmm. Had a brand new twenty seven on that Yamaha and <laughs> let her eat. Man, I smoked his doors off. <laughs> <laughs> it's lucky you still came back for another year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last day we saw Russ. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it was nice knowing you. My <laughs> well, mind's never gone eighty, so that's pretty cool though. Yeah. Well, all right, we'll let you get out of here, man. All right. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we no, appreciate it. Thanks for coming down, man. Uh, we do appreciate it, and uh, good luck this year. And uh, we'll see you at the Classic some. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. Okay. Keeping it under wraps. That's right. I got it. <laughs> and good luck with the uh, the hog tech stuff. I'm going to. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. I and, need to get y'all some bearings and try that. And if people want to follow you, uh, wrestling fishing, or yep. what's your Instagram? Um, follow me uh, on, uh, I keep uh, the Facebook fan page updated a lot. Um, it's just under Russ Lane. And then, uh, Instagram is Russ underscore Lane, and uh, you know I do a lot of updates on there and fishing tips and shoot me a message if there's something you want to see. Be glad to 
be glad to uh, post up some good videos and stuff. <laughs> well, that's it then. I guess we're signing off. All right. <laughs> we out. See you. See you.